our strength and our Redeemer. By your Spirit, hold us forever, that through your grace we may worship you and faithfully serve you, follow you, and joyfully find you, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. May be seated. scripture lesson for today is found in the Old Testament reading in the 49th chapter of Isaiah, verses 1 through 7. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my cause is with the Lord, and my reward with my God. And now the Lord says, Who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers. Kings shall see and stand up, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. Word of God, word of life. The epistle lesson is from 1 Corinthians 1, verses 1 through 9. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind. Just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Word of God, word of life.
The Holy Gospel lesson according to St. John, chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. Glory to you, O Lord. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is Jesus, of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched, Jesus walked by. He exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, Jesus said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Jesus said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two of them heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. This is the Gospel of the Lord. May be seated. <clears throat> Come and see. It's all part of the invitation to the disciples that the words "come and see" represent. But I'm getting ahead of myself. We find in all of the readings this morning the instruction, the admonition, the urging to go and tell others. To go and tell others the story of who God is. To go and tell others your story of who God is. Of who God is for you. But first, come and see. We find these, that these readings, these lessons for, um, for the second Sunday of Epiphany are all about the calling to be tellers. No, not the ones you find in the bank but rather tellers, as in go and tell others your story of who God is and who God is for you. The Isaiah text that 
that Sharon read for us told us that the servant of God in the story is saying she or he was called from before birth and was called to become and be a servant, a servant in whom God would be glorified and to be a light. No, to be the light, not just to ancient Israel alone, but to the whole world of all time. I will give you as a light to the nation, says God to the servant, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. This salvation that the poet prophet Isaiah is proclaiming is not for the one who knows the story. It's for those who are going to hear the story wherever they may be. Come and see. In Psalm 40, it says, tell the glad news of deliverance. Speak of God's steadfast love. You know, come and see. And in the letter to the people in Corinth, Paul talks of his apostolic calling and, quote, the calling of the Corinthians to give testimony to Christ to tell of him. Come and see. Then we come to the gospel reading. This reading from the gospel of John is a whole sequence of people telling each other that they have seen Jesus and who they think Jesus is. So did they already come and see? Mm. It begins with John. Now, it's not just any John, it's John the Baptist. But today's reading from the fourth gospel doesn't call him John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. And it tells nothing of the wild-looking outfit or the eating of locusts out in the wilderness or any of the stuff that we get in the other tellings of his story. The John portrayed here in the Gospel reading for today is vastly different from the one we read about earlier in the other Gospels. Yes, this version of John baptizes with water, and this version of John is identified as the voice crying in the wilderness, and this version of John speaks out about the thong of whose sandal he is not worthy to untie. But nowhere in this version of the story is John identified as the Baptist or the baptizer. In this version of John, John rejects all titles. Remember, John clearly says, He who comes after me ranks before me, for he was before me. And to the one whom John bears witness takes away the sins of the world. Here John is not clothed in camel's hair and leather. Here John denies being Elijah. Here John's character is not developed and set in this historical context as it is in the gospel according to Luke. Here John does not exit dramatically through imprisonment and execution by the Roman ruler Herod Antipas. This John appears and disappears for only one reason. Only one reason as the main focus. This version of God, of John, is a witness to Christ. This version of John does not speak eschatologically of the chopping axe that chops at the roots of, of, the, of the faith. Does not speak of the cleansing wind or the consuming fire. Instead, John points straight to Christ and says, Behold the Lamb of God. Come and see. In short, John in the fourth gospel is a witness. In fact, many translations give this reading, John 1, 19 to 41, a 
right after John 1, a heading for the, that part of the Bible in the, the actual book says, this is the witness of John. Does this mean that John has been stripped of his power and reduced in significance? Not at all. On the contrary, it seems to me that no other evangelist, no other gospel writer presents John as so striking, so commanding, so magnetic a figure. Twice the author of the fourth gospel interrupts the prologue poem that's up here in the front about the eternal son to remind the reader that the subject is Jesus, not John. John, quote, was not the light that came to bear witness to the light. So you get what's happening here. John's ministry, who John is and how John acts and attracts disciples and how John commands the attention of the Jerusalem authorities. Remember, he was out in the wilderness preaching and all these people were traveling out from Jerusalem to hear him because he had this huge reputation. And so the the authorities, the religious authorities and others were getting nervous. He was getting more power and was more popular than they were and they weren't going to have it. So they sent investigators to the desert. The, the, the Jerusalem authorities' questions to John were blunt and clear. Are you the Christ? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? In other words, are you the Christ or the one that comes before the Christ? And John answers were, John's answers were equally clear. No, no, and no. As the story in this gospel lesson opens, John is talking about himself. The details are very precise. Twice John says, I did not know him, meaning Jesus. As soon as he recognizes Jesus, John goes from, I did not know him, to making amazing public announcements like, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Here is the one I was sent to proclaim as the Son of God. Then almost the very same thing happens again. The day after the baptism, John tells two of his disciples that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And what did they do? They leave John behind and run off after Jesus. They follow John for all this time, but suddenly Jesus comes along and they go and they see. These disciples of John wanted to see for themselves, you see. They catch up and have an odd conversation with Jesus. And then Andrew runs off and finds his brother Simon and brings him to meet Jesus too. When Jesus gives Simon a new name, Cephas or Peter, meaning rock, these brothers become followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. These brothers respond and become the disciples we know they have to become. They respond to the come and see, don't they? All of this is well and good, and if you're saying, oh, okay, but Don, what does that mean for us, for us here today, here at Jerusalem Western Salisbury Church, as we continue this journey of ministry and discipleship together as a community of faith? And my answer is, that's a good question. So what happens when we follow the instruction of Jesus and come and see? When we come, when we come, we see that this Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world was bold enough to welcome any and all who came. But it was a gentle boldness. Because of the hospitality that Jesus practiced and provided when followers like Andrew and Simon Peter and when followers like you and like me respond to and become a part of and a continuation of this incarnation of God, the presence of God here on earth in the flesh as human beings. This Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, this one who was accused and was crucified, today we would say murdered by corrupt government officials. 
In spite of all that Jesus returned, in spite of all of that, Jesus returned, he rose from the dead, humbly, without malice, without blaming anybody, without anger, without lashing out at others, without accusing other people of all kinds of things, returned so that each one who believes might live and live eternally. So is Jesus the Lamb of God? Here in the Gospel lesson, John calls Jesus, quote, a lamb. Which could have been perceived a couple of different ways. Lambs are often portrayed as a symbol of gentleness, meekness, and vulnerability. But of course, in Jesus' day, because there was that long history in the people of ancient Israel using lambs as sacrifices... There was another sense in which hearing Jesus call the lamb might have struck some people as derogatory and cruel to him. Maybe it would be like some, today someone calling someone a weak, calling them weak or not too quick or not assertive enough. Calling Jesus a lamb may have sounded like the equivalent of accusing Jesus of being someone easy to gang up on. So, does this mean Jesus equals the Lamb of God? The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? Well, it seems to me one scholar says it this way, and I thought, whoa, that's pretty bold, but I kind of like it too. He says, John could just as easily have said, Behold the one who is going down the tubes. Behold the loser, the victim, the dead man walking. And how odd all of this must have sounded. The the, the next day, though, John repeats it. He repeats the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, letting you know that it wasn't some foolish slip of the tongue on John's part the day before. This is central to who this Jesus was, the Lamb of God, who died for our sins, your sins and my sins, everyone's sins. One more notion about this phrase, the Lamb of God. This reference is the old, is only here and nowhere else. This is a John 1 novelty, not found anywhere else in the Bible. It's true that Jesus is identified as being a Lamb. is surely confirmed in Revelation 4 and 5. But the precise phrase used in John 1 may be a John the Baptist novelty. What did John the Baptist mean by it? Calling Jesus a lamb surely was meant to conjure up sacrifice and suffering and such. And then if you remember in the scripture, the scripture also asks, what are you looking for? Well, when we respond to the question, what are we looking for? When we come and see, which the scripture also asks us to do, we find that there are all kinds of folks gathered together. Just look around you. There's all kinds of folks gathered together. Some that you know, some that you don't know. If you were here last week, you might remember that Pastor Jay, my friend Pastor Jay, said, Congregation doesn't actually describe who we are because we are not just here to congregate. We are called to be here and to become a community of faith, a community of faith that brings the most unlikely group of people together, some of whom have been here seemingly forever, or at least for all of their lives. Others have only been here for a few weeks, days, or months. Perhaps even someone who is here for the very first time. This group includes some who some of us maybe would not choose to include. Maybe there are some who think others shouldn't be here or don't deserve to be here. But that never stopped Jesus, did it? 
a really short story. Bishop Will Willimon. Will Willimon is a United Methodist pastor, teacher, professor. He, for many years, was the dean of the chapel at Duke University, which is a big, fancy pulpit. Great preacher, amazing author and teacher. He became the bishop of the Southern Alabama Conference of the United Methodists and then retired. He went back to Duke and is teaching again. Somebody said to him, um, Pastor Willimon, do you have anything to say about who becomes members of this church? Pastor Willimon laughed and he said, no, I don't have anything to do with it. And they said, well, what do you mean you don't have anything to do with it? And his answer back to them was, if I had something to do with it, some of you wouldn't be here. (laughs) In trying to to figure out how to wrap this up, I came across this from the Reverend Mark Rawls, who also happens to be a United Methodist pastor, so we're getting a Methodist message here today. Reverend Mark Rawls says, Come and see. Christ invites us to enter into a shared life with this gracious host. From this point on, the way to truth will be constituted by personal encounters. Our evangelism is simply a reflection of this truth. Andrew invites Simon to come and see. Now get this part. We welcome because we were welcomed ourselves. We invite because we received an invitation. Did you hear that? We welcome because we were welcomed ourselves. We invite because we received an invitation. End quote. So... All who can hear, come and see. Come and see the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Leave behind your anxiety. Leave behind your fear. Leave behind your resentment. Leave it all behind. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Will this happen tomorrow? Hmm, Probably not. But we need to start someplace and we need to start today. So let's join together as children of God created in the image and with the likeness of God. Let's work together to create an intimacy with God that is at the heart of this invitation. Join in the divine hospitality of this community of faith. Join in this divine hospitality of the Savior of the world, the Prince of Peace, that is the source of our redemption. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Amen. And now hear these words of benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace, now and always, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Go in peace. Let your light shine. Thanks be to God.